Open your Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter 6. I feel a little loud, Jason, maybe. Am I a little loud? Jason McKay's like, you're always that loud. You're not the sound man, Jason. I'm talking to the other one. Uh, Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 6, we're going to start with verse 9. And what's funny about this is I, I, I am like, I'm serious. I'm trying to move off of these two verses. I am studying to move off of these two verses. But every time I study, it seems like God brings me back to something else that's in this that we, we haven't reached yet. We haven't touched it yet. We haven't taught on it yet, and it's vital to the rest of this. So let's remember where we've been here in the last few weeks. And uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus is uh, approached by his disciples. Would you teach us how to pray? And this is what he says. Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Here we go. You ready? Say this with me. Will you read it off the screen? Say it with me. Our in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. And we, we made the point uh, the very first week that everything in the kingdom flows out of relationship with the king. Would you say that with me as well? Say it with me. Everything in the flows out of with a, try it again. Everything in the flows out of with a, that's, that's the way it works. So for us to talk about teaching on prayer, I'm going to teach you how to pray so that mountains move. I'm going to teach you how to pray so that demons come out. I'm going to teach you how to pray so that blind eyes open. I'm going to teach you how to pray so you can prosper. I'm going to teach you how to pray so you can get what you want. Let me just understand that if I teach you to do that without teaching the way Jesus taught it, which is first and foremost relational it's, it's, it's about knowing him. It's not about getting his stuff. Somebody say amen. Prayer, as Jesus taught it, begins with a family. It begins with a relationship with your heavenly Father. Remember this. Prayer is not primarily about moving mountains. It is about moving mountains, but it's not primarily about moving mountains. It's about, uh, about being moved and about moving the mountain mover. So why does Jesus start his teachings on prayer here. I, I just think it's a, it's a fairly straightforward question with a fairly straightforward answer. I, I think this is our highest purpose. Um, there's a lot of things that I will never do again once I get to heaven. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I will, I, I'll never ask for God to heal somebody. I'll never ask for a mountain to be moved. There are things literally that I do every day, every day, every day, over and over again. It is evolving and involving my relationship with Christ. But once I take that last breath and I wake up with his hand on my face, wiping away my final tear, I will never do again for all eternity. Isn't that wild? But knowing him is something I'm going to do forever. When we talk about being born again, life eternal, understand, uh-oh, something just happened. Was that me? Did my thing flip down? There it is. Good, Good thing we're not recording this. <laughs> uh, when we talk about knowing Jesus, like that is it. There, there's something that's going to continue to grow, something that's going to continue to evolve, something that's going to continue to emerge. And I, I wonder if I could just by, by a show of hands today, what, how many of you guys say my relationship with Christ is significantly different today than it was a year ago? Let me see your hand. Now, not everybody can, not everybody does. So they're like, well, they raised their hand, I should raise mine. But, but literally, if you want to grow in this thing, not called Christianity, not called religion, not called Western Christianity, not called Eastern Christianity, if you want to know Jesus, you cannot do that without knowing Jesus, <laughs> which means prayer, right? So it's our highest purpose. This is what we were created for. When God makes Adam and Eve, it wasn't because there was a lawn that needed to be mowed, it's because there was a relationship with a son that a father wanted to have. We talk about learning how to pray. Remember, the first and foremost purpose of prayer is just to know him. It's just to walk in the garden on the cool of the day. It's just, it's just to hear his voice. It's just for him to hear ours. Prayer is a beautiful, it's conversational. It's not, it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. But, but uh, I, I would say this as well, I want to add to this tonight, that prayer is not just relational. We do eventually need to move some mountains. 
There, there are some valleys that need to be filled in. There are some mountains that are in the way of the will of God. There's some darkness that's kind of boastful and proud and arrogant and needs to be brought low. There's some people that, that need to be loved, that spirits need to be broken off of. How many of you guys know that what the world needs now is a praying church, people that actually know how to encounter God and bring that encounter into an atmosphere, into a, a workplace, into a family, a neighborhood, a community. So it's not just our primary purpose to know the Lord, but also to make him known. Now, we can't make him known if we don't know him. So those, those two go together. But we do need to at some point make him known. So it's a beachhead. Anybody here military? We're, we're Dwango. We got a Marine in the room. So he knows what it is to, to get out of a landing craft and hit a beach. Like that's like what Normandy, when you see the pictures of, uh, was it 1942, 43, 42 probably, June 6th, D-Day, um, when those guys are coming off the landing craft, that, that's not the invasion of Europe. That's just establishing a beachhead. We just need a quarter mile to unload our stuff. And from that stuff, we can invade all all of Nazi Germany. We can, we can get France back and Poland back, and, but we got to have a place where we can unload our stuff. And when we talk about prayer, it begins with knowing who he is, but from that place, we need to make him known because stuff has been lost. People are lost. There are victories yet to be won. There are defeats that need to be displaced. And so we talk about prayer. It's not just about knowing the Lord. I love meditative, deep, quiet birds singing, beautiful summer day, you know, where it's going to be like a high of 80, not 180, you know what I mean? I, I, I love that. I love that just being still and knowing he's got. I love the still waters. I love the green pastures. But understand this. We inherited a kingdom that's at war. There's a, there's a time to rest, but there's a time to fight. And if you're going to fight, you've got to have a beachhead. You've got to have a place from which to fight. So relationship with the Father, literally, it creates as if it were a door from one world into another that we hold open for him. Prayer is, is kind of that sense of where there, there's darkness on one side, light on the other, and a door that's closed. Prayer opens that door and takes the reality of one side of that dynamic and throws it into the reality of the next. When we pray, God moves. That's beautiful, right? So now here comes the invasion, chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I, I, I shouldn't have even read it that quickly. And we're going to go back over it. We're going to do a Bible study tonight. How many of you guys could do a Bible study tonight? You got your Bibles, you got your, your automatic devices and your notepads. Tonight's a good night to study, uh, or today, because it's going to be aired on Sunday. Today, this morning, Sunday morning, this is a good time to, to study prayer, to understand it. And here, here's my concern, um, and I want to say this very graciously, as graciously as a stubborn person can say it, Okay. When, when this prayer is generally taught in our community, it's as part of penitence. So you say a certain number of our fathers and a certain number of Hail Marys. That was not in any way to disparage the Catholics at all. How many of you guys know Catholics are going to be in heaven if they, if they have faith in Jesus as a saving faith? That Baptists are going to be in heaven as somebody's a God are going to be in heaven. I mean, even some of us are going to be in heaven, right? So if we can make it, everybody can make it. Somebody say amen, right? But what I'm saying is this, when, when you associate the words of Jesus' teaching about prayer as punishment, how many of you guys know you only pray it when you're in trouble? And how many people only pray when they're in trouble? When, when we say, repeat it over and over again, quickly, oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy and, you're, and you're, you're doing the beads, and how, you know, how many to pay for the sins you committed? I got mad at my kids, I yelled, I was drunk, I was whatever, and you go and confess the sin, and the priest gives you penitence. Now, I know that the cause or the purpose of penitence, and that prayer is to bring your heart back to the Father, but how many of you guys know if it's a homework assignment, it doesn't necessarily work that way? When a child is being punished with homework, all they want to do is get the homework done so they can go back and play. 
They're not saying, I am so grateful for the essay that my father is having me write right now on obeying my mother and and submitting to her authority. This 500 words is life-changing. I'm so glad that he gave. Matter of fact, I'm going to do this every week regardless of my father's punishment. How many of you guys said no kid ever, right? So you just, I just got to get it done because I want to get back to, to having fun. So when we make the Lord's teaching on prayer repetitive or penitive, how many of you understand we're doing a, a, a real disservice to the Lord's teaching on prayer? Does this make sense? So I want us to slow down tonight and really see what's being said because the Lord's prayer is some of the most radical theology in all of Scripture. Tonight we're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to slow way down. So he talks about in verse 10, your kingdom. Uh, the word there, I always said Basilia, but it's not. It's Basilia or something like that. But what it means is this. Your kingdom is a single word. And it means the royal power, the kingship, the dominion, the rule, or the territory that's subject to the rule of the king. So I, let's, let's slow down. When Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. What he's saying is not, your kingdom come, your will be done. What he's saying is there's something that exists in heaven that has authority. It has power. It has love. It has peace. It has his face. It has his hands. It smells like him, feels like him, because it is him. What makes the kingdom the kingdom is the king. So when you say your kingdom come, literally what you're praying is, God, whoever you are and wherever you are, move or or, or share or multiply that that who you are into this circumstance. Remember I told you in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was healing all the sickness and all the disease of the people. And they they were like harassed with a sheep without a shepherd, and it was really rough. And and he said, I have compassion on them. He didn't, the, the, the apostles saw the compassion on him. Hear me. Remember we talked about the one was being soft, Melikea, uh, the way to become Melikea is to have been a Melikos, someone who would be similar to the Kingdom Builder video that we talked about. When Jesus was healing people, he wasn't just healing their bad knees, their bad backs, their bad eyes, their bad ears. Jesus was healing the inside of people. We talk about bringing the kingdom. You, you got to hear me. Are you listening? When we pray and God moves, what we should anticipate is the substance of his domain, the kingdom, the domain of the king coming from where he is to where we are. It's the reality of it. It's, it's, not, it's not that there's suddenly a box of kittens. It's that suddenly the box of kittens have had their eyes opened. It, it's, not, it's not that, that, that it, you know, God had to pick up from where he was answering prayers on the other side of the planet to this, come all the way over here and answer your prayer. It's that the reality of one world becomes the reality of another. And we know this because we can see it. If I were to come to you with terrible news of doubt and fear and anger and discouragement, division, manipulation, you would feel the weight of those words. You'd feel the weight of the spirit behind those words. You would feel the weight of the Facebook You'd feel the weight of the Twitter. I'm, I'm being an old person. I know it's Facebook and Twitter, but it's just funner to say the. So if I came to you with the declarations of the king, and it was not just I'm reading a Bible verse, hear my heart, but I'm prophesying the will and purpose of God over your life. And something inside of you goes, that's God speaking, not Jim. That's, that's God speaking, not Dina or Steve or Susan. Like, that's God speaking. How many of you guys know that in the same way something would be produced inside of you through those words? Something that you did not have prior to that prophetic utterance, before those promises became real, before the logos written word became the rhema now words of God. Hear me tonight. When, we, when the kingdom of God comes, there is a tangible change. There's a shift. There's a movement. So when Jesus is teaching us about your kingdom come, your will be done, it's not your kingdom come, your will be done. When Jesus says it, he is literally saying there, there's outlaws. 
There's people that are breaking the rules. There's places that are filled with darkness, and only the bravest lions go there, Simba. And what he's saying is, I want the reality of all the fullness of heaven to come into the circumstances of all the darkness of man. When we pray, it's not a list. It's not a box we check. It's a transference of one thing for the other. When light comes, what happens to darkness? There's no argument. There's movement, right? Isaiah actually uses that uh, metaphor. We'll get to just a second. So he says, your kingdom come. And I'm going to teach you how to say this word because it's just fun. Although you may want to cover your mouth in the current health situation. It, it's it's erchomai, but you have to like erchomai. It's literally, the Hebrew here involves phlegm. So don't do it, but just practice when you get home. Your kingdom and, and erchomai, right? To come from one place to another to come into being, to arise, to come forth, to show itself, to find place or to find influence. How many of you guys know we want the kingdom to come? We want justice to come. We want love to come. We want mercy to come. We want wisdom to come. We want peace to come. We want everything that is the king's to come into the domain of mankind until mankind's domain becomes the domain of the king. Under the authority of the king, under the laws, under the rules of the king. When we pray, it's as if we're standing in, in a doorway, again, bringing to earth the substance of heaven. Isaiah uses this metaphor of light. We see it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, where Matthew's quoting Isaiah, and he says this, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. He's talking about the birth of Jesus, the coming of the kingdom of God, God's Messiah. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So think of places and people that live in Darkness. We didn't pay our electric bill. I'm sorry. We'll get back in a minute. This is the reality of people's lives. They can't move. They can't see. They can't feel. They are legitimate victims of stuff that is not their fault. They were born with curses. Their granddaddy's granddaddy's granddaddy brought into their family line that have never been forgiven. And then we pray. What I'm saying to you is simply this. The power of prayer is such. I am a product of the prayers of God's people. God, we're going to do a concert. We're going to dress in spandex. We're going to look like idiots. But if we look like idiots, idiots will come by the hundreds. And we pray that you would adopt those idiots as your sons and daughters tonight. They prayed over the room I walked into. I walked into that room. I was not convinced by doctrine. There was not a mental ascent into truth. I met my creator in the presence of God. His kingdom came to me, and I bowed my knee and bawled my eyes out and gave my life to Jesus. And I can't say I've never looked back because I have, but I tell you what, every time I look back, whatever I look back to had to be compared to what God had done, and it always failed miserably. Drinking, you know, when I was uh, an addict and went back to my addictions and so forth after my conversion, I was looking for God at the bottom of a bottle, and I, and I just kept getting farther and farther. How many guys know that those who sit on the fence really will have splinters in their butt. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Like it's, not, it's not like I'm sitting on the fence and I'm comfortable. Nobody's comfortable sitting on the fence. Nobody. I don't care how tight your wranglers are. No one's comfortable sitting on a fence. I didn't have enough of God to be happy with the world. I didn't have enough of the world to be happy with God. I, didn't, I had too much of the world to be happy with God, too much of God to be happy with the world. I just sat there miserable and, and powerless and useless and lame, and, and Jesus came to me another time because someone prayed for me. I had this guy, his name's Bill. He'd knock on my door every Sunday morning. Bang, 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 bang. Hey, Jim, I'm going to church. You want to go? How many of you guys know that people do want to go to church if they want to get right with God? But I was drunk from the bar on Saturday night. 
bang, 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 you want to go? Ah, I can't go. Why? I, you know, I just, I don't feel like it. Honestly, what it was, I'm so stinking. How many of you guys know there's drunk and there's drunk the next morning stink? I, I smelled like a scented candle from like a, a bar. No, there's no scented candle called drunk person, but you know what I mean. Like, I, I mean, I was, I was still hammered. I'm not going to go to church and, and put on clothes I didn't have and pretend I'm what I'm not. I, when I get my life together, I'll go to church. Just like when I get in shape, I'll go to the gym. Somebody give me a hello on that one, right? But after like 10 times, 11 times, 12 times, bang, 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 all the stars aligned, and I was sober. And I'd gotten sleep, and I'd taken a shower, and I was in civilian clothes. And he said, do you want to go to church? And I thought, I'll go to church just this once to see if God still loves me. I went, I, I uh, met a girl and I started chasing her for about a month. Never caught her. Thank God. Never, never caught her. Um, but I, I tell you what, man, it was about six weeks later, her daddy preached, it was the preacher's daughter, that, that her daddy preached a sermon. I mean, I was embarrassed because he wasn't talking to anybody else in the room. He was talking to me. How many guys know God doesn't just knock once? And he doesn't send people to knock once. People prayed for me. My mother prayed for me. I, I don't know about all the gifts of the Spirit. I, I know they exist. I know they're for today. I know God still moves. But I'm telling you, I could hit a speed bump in Colleen, Texas and get a phone call from my mother saying, what's wrong, Jimmy? Suddenly she got a New York Jewish accent. I don't know why, but it, suddenly, right? Your kingdom come. Light has an effect. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and, and I want you to know this. Your kingdom come and your will be done are, are, are it's two thoughts, but they're, but they're not. They're conjoined. And so let's look at this now. Your kingdom, we talked about, Basileia, right? Uh, your kingdom, come, your will. Will is thelema uh, in, in the Greek, and it means the purpose of God to bless mankind through Christ. What God wishes to be done. Look at this. And, and on earth, so the word there is gay, uh, the abode of men and animals, thelema, gay, aranos, heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is the seat of order. I underline that because I think that's so important. Uh, the order of things eternal, I think that's important. And consummately perfect where God dwells. When we are praying, we're not just praying simple prayers. God bless this food that's already blessed because it's in America. And it's, it, you know, we have rules and laws and so forth. When we're praying for God's kingdom to come. There, there is such a shove that's being done on evil. There's such a shove that's being done on the wounds that, it, that have existed sometimes for generations in people's lives. There's such a force behind this. I, I just, I, it, it grieves me to think that prayer is, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, come, it will be done. Let me just know that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's something somewhere that is perfect and ordered, and it's under the authority of the king, and that's what he wants invading the world. And prayer is us standing in the doorway between those two worlds and pressing on, on the hinges of that door so that light from one world floods the darkness of the next. Are you guys getting a feeling about this tonight? You have to hear me. Prayer is, is not, it is a box to be checked on our daily devotion list in some ways. There is a discipline to prayer, but how many of you guys know that the old timers, I mean people that are like in their 50s, they have a phrase. They prayed until they, anybody remember what the next thought the word is? They prayed until they prayed no, it's been that long. So they prayed through. 
I, I can't tell you the number of stories that I love to read about missionaries and my friend uh, Edna Stewart and Jesse Moutre and people who, who prayed for me for years. And they, they'd say, you know, how, how you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm doing good. You're darn right you're doing good, but you weren't doing good yesterday, were you? I'm like, no, I wasn't. How do you know that? My mom didn't even call me. How'd you know that? So we just got a burden on our heart. Edna called me. I, I, we got on our knees and we prayed until we felt that burden lift. We prayed through. I thought, how many guys know I miss these people today? How many guys know that what God gave them, God can give us? And, and I just want to say it, I'm just going to say it plain. I don't really know, like, who's in charge of the prayer ministry. As people have kind of graduated into eternity, I'm concerned that, that, that what they knew and what they had, maybe, maybe you've got to be 80 to get this. I don't know. I don't think that's true. But I think that what we need in this generation is people that understand there's a doorway between darkness and light, and we're the ones that push back the door so that light can flood in. How many guys know we need prayer warriors in the body of Christ today? I, I, I know, and please forgive me, I, I, we're part of this, and I, I'm not demeaning this, but I, I know the music's awesome. I know that the preaching can be very entertaining. I know the technology is like the jumbotron. How many guys want to play Pac-Man because it'd be like, you know what I mean? I, I know that the services are short enough to, to fit the Western mindset and attention span. I know that. How many of you guys know that if we don't get the kingdom of God stuff right, it doesn't matter how many people pack the, the pews, if, if our seating capacity greatly exceeds our sending capacity, are we really doing what Jesus has called the church to do? And so I, I'm, I'm begging you. I'm, I'm pushing on this. I'm, every chair you're sitting in has been prayed over multiple times today. I'm just saying, God, open our eyes and open our hearts because there's darkness that is dwelling in a land and there's light that's dwelling in the kingdom. And what opens the door from one to the other is us standing in that gap and saying, Father, move. Father, move. Holy Spirit, move. Jesus, sick them. We need prayers like that. So let's talk about that light for just a moment. Look at this. The, the light really is it's, it's two things. It's not just one thing. Um, it's, it's what only God can do, but it's also the deeds of God's people. Let your light so shine before men that men see your good works, see your good deeds, and they glorify your Father in heaven. We know that, that we are the light of the world. That doesn't mean we're just delightful. How many of you guys have been around us on a hot day when pants are mandatory and you have to wear a mask? Come on. How many of you guys complained more than once today? <laughs> Thank you, Brad, for being honest. Unlike your spouse sitting next to you, who I'm not going to mention by name, because Teresa can still run me down and beat me up. So, but but we, we will sometimes God, we'll be used by God to answer our own prayers. We saw that last week in Matthew chapter 9 and 10. But sometimes we're going to be used as the answer to God's prayers that, 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 that people have prayed on our behalf. Hear me. It isn't the noun of prayer, it's the verb of warfare. There is a noun called prayer, but I'm talking about the verb of warfare. So here's the point, piano guy or, or girl, join me. Actually, it's Pastor Kyle. Piano, sweetheart, join me if you would, please. <laughs> Here, here's the point. Prayer is not the end of our actions. Now, I, this, is, this is what I know. When I see kids stuck in the situation that we talked about, I don't just want to pray for them. Does that make sense? When I'm in Haiti and I see hunger, I don't just want to pray for them. When I, when I was walking today past the high school and found another Smirnoff vodka bottle empty on the side of the road, I don't just want to pray for the guy that drank that or the lady that drank that. When I hear about what's happening in marriages and in health, and in, I, I don't just want to pray. How many of you guys know that prayer sometimes need hands attached to it? But, but how many of us know that so often our, our hands won't be attached to the things we have no attachment to? So we feel the burden. 
we, we pray and we ask God to do something, and you'd be shocked how often God says, congratulations, I've answered your prayer. I'm sending someone. Take one step forward. Can I suggest to you that tonight, no matter how old you are or how young you are, no matter how educated you are or uneducated you are, can I suggest to you that the people in this room are sufficient to reach a community? I don't know, there's not many of us. To, I don't, doesn't say, okay. 12 guys, one of them didn't make it very far. And we're still talking about what they talked about a long time later. They filled Jerusalem with the teachings of Jesus. 12 guys that became 11. How? Because, because one person and one person's words has a certain effect. But one person backed up by the power of Almighty God carrying the weight and the weightiness of the kingdom into any circumstance suddenly becomes a majority. In this week alone, we've had, we've had the rain stop. Pastor Jason, am I right? Thunder everywhere around. One of the summer students said, God, we just got to finish. They were, they were doing a fundraiser. They're painting somebody's deck. If it starts to rain, how many guys know you have to repaint and thin no more? That was, that was kind of funny, actually. Yeah. You got it finally? Thanks, Dwayne. Thanks for catching up, man. <laughs> repaint and thin no more. Yeah, and, and, uh, and so, so they just, you know, instead of saying, oh, hurry up, hurry up, they said, you know, let's not hurry up. Let's do an excellent job. God, hold off the rain until this deck is dry and it never rained. What is that? Well, that's the kingdom coming to earth through an audacious, non-educated, non-ordained, non-Bible college graduated, what, 17-year-old? How old are you now? 17-year-old? So how many guys know if, if he can answer the prayer of a boy that's fighting a giant, if he can answer the prayer of a, of a slave who drinks out of the, the cup of the king, to make sure it's not poisoned. There's a retirement plan for you, right? How many guys know that if, if he can use a single mom named Mary and her son that was thought of as legitimate in his own community to save the world? How many guys know God just delights in using the underdog? He just, I've had people say to me, so what's your education? I actually had a guy, the superintendent of one of the districts said, where did you get your education? I said, I don't know, I haven't got it yet. And he said, really, you have a unique teaching style. I said, that's because I don't know much. He said, that's, that's so funny. He actually, he actually got me in touch. Like, they want to give me an honorary bachelor's degree and then and like give me like a bunch of credits towards a master's degree. I might be as smart as Kim one of these days, Kim. You know what I mean? Two master's degrees, right? I only have one master myself, but I understand. I understand, you know. So I'm just simply saying this, guys. Listen to me. God uses the, the I don't know, the unqualified because if a giant kills a giant, you go, that was a good fight. But if a shepherd boy kills a giant, you say, that's a good God. Let me, let me just say this. If God answered every prayer you've prayed in the last week, would anything change besides your own life? So what we're doing is we're standing on the, the bright side of the wall saying, God bless me. God help me. God strengthen me. God provide for me. God. But you've got to remember, there's a whole other side of where people live. And we have to go between that divider of faith and stand there in that gap and push back those doors and say, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you hold the door between heaven and earth open through prayer? That's, that's my final. That's it. That's my ask. Will you do what really only you can do? God's not sending an angel to pray. He sent you to pray. 
God's not resurrecting a patriarch to pray. He sent you to pray. I, I mean, Jesus is ever making intercession. He's between you and the Father. He's holding on to one hand that's God the Father and one hand that's yours. But, but how many of you guys know that he, we have a lot to do with what God does? We seem to have a lot to do with what God does. So let's increase our prayers to understand the power of the king and the presence of the kingdom and the effect they can have when God's people pray. Your kingdom, your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven, the perfect seat of order. In this world, yeah. Just, just by a show of hands, it's, it's just a form of testimony, and not everybody has to raise their hand. There's no peer pressure. Has anybody here ever experienced a moment where you knew that you're standing on earth, but it felt like heaven? Sometimes during worship or sometimes during prayer, sometimes during a sunset, sometimes when my grandkids are in the pool, sometimes when my wife wants to snuggle, sometimes when, when, when it just, it's just... It, it's just like another world kisses me to remind me what heaven's going to be like. like I, got a, I got a taste. I got a sniff. I got a, I got a, a little whiff. I got a deposit that's guaranteeing that which is to come. People need that. And God's put this ministry of prayer in our hands. So, Father, I am done speaking, but I am not done praying. Into this moment, it is our right it is our honor and it is our responsibility to pray for the people that are here, right here, right now, people that are watching, right here, right now. This is my prayer. Let your kingdom come. And as it does, dispel the doubt and the fear that, that pretended it was king. Displace everything that's raised itself up against the knowledge of who you are tear down every stronghold. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. As light floods our souls, God, may we open the door for it to flood others. As light sets us free, as your kingdom invades our lives, may we be the ones that point and press and push and move mountains through prayer, God. Let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth in this room right here, right now. People's fan their rooms. People driving to work listening to this. Right there, right now. Right here, right now. Your kingdom, the domain of the king, the basilia of the king. Right here, right now. The right to rule and to reign in this moment, in these circumstances, with these lives. Your kingdom come. Arise emerge take shape take form and let your will that which you wish to be accomplished that which is a blessing through Christ come and your will be done on earth as it is in the perfect seat of order where you dwell that's what you taught us to pray about our Father in heaven hallowed be your name that Lord bless this food not through the teeth, through the gums. Look out, Jesus, here it comes. Open our hearts, open our minds. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Blood flows outward for the stuff we've done, but blood through bruising flows as inwardly through the stuff we still wrestle with. 
you just allow me a moment here. I just, just give me a moment of liberty. You're here tonight. And for some reason, you've convinced yourself this doesn't apply to you because you're unworthy of it. It's not that the sins of the past haven't been forgiven. It's that the sins of the, the present haven't been tamed. Condemnation, that which penalizes you for actions or even identity, keeps you from God and asking for the big things because you're still waiting on the small things. The, you're still waiting on your own deliverance. How could you pray for the deliverance of another? I want you to hear me. When David killed Goliath, he wasn't perfect. He was willing. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a furnace. They weren't perfect. They were willing. command that God gives to us tonight is to love him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our mind, and all of our strength. But I, I know that the word all is very important in that sense. I know that heart, soul, mind, strength, those are very important. But I want to come back to a word that I think is going to unlock it for us, and that's yours. God knew when he commanded me to love him with all of my heart, he knew that my heart would be broken sometimes. All of my mind, my mind would be scattered, offended, hurt, riled, screaming, demanding racing he didn't lessen the command he just said bring what you have if it's a loaf and a fish bring it to me I'll make a feast out of it for multitudes but I'm not smart enough I'll make a feast out of what you do know for the multitudes but I, I'm not free enough I'll make a feast out of the testimony of my goodness and grace I, I'll be honest with you the testimony I never send is a great testimony I've prayed that over my children over my grandchildren but an equally great testimony as I destroyed my life a thousand times, but I could not shake a loving God who never stopped pursuing me. Blood flowed inwardly in the bruised body of Jesus for the inward tendencies to continue to sin. The freedom you seek is not in your performance. I promise you that what you've done is not greater than what he's done for you. I promise you, you are not greater than God. I promise you. Tonight, if you need the mercy of God just to be made manifest of that, that blood that flowed immorally in the body of Jesus, that bruise for our iniquities, that iniquitous nature that sees the no trespassing sign and somehow could just block it out and cross lines we should have never crossed. I want you to hear this. Jesus didn't just die and bleed for what you did. He died and bled for what we are. So we're not that anymore. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint walking in grace. Does that make any sense to you at all? Tonight, I, this is not a part of my notes. I just feel the Holy Spirit leading this. I don't want to waste this opportunity. Tonight, if you're still trying to earn what's always been yours, know this, you're not simply a sinner who was once saved by grace. You are a saint that continues to walk in his grace. Probably takes more grace to forgive me and walk in relationship with me today than it did the night I got saved because of what I know, what I've experienced. Let that sink in. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. What's he willing to do for me now? What's he willing to do for you now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You say, Jim, I need this. And I receive not just the mercy of God to forgive, but the grace of God that, that continues to cleanse and cover. If that's you, lift up your hand right now all over this room. Father, every uplifted hand, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.